Before I ordained, I had the opportunity to hear a recording of a Ajahn Shah teaching in which he spoke about the difference between conventional and ultimate reality and how when we call things of the world by their various names, we are doing so following a shared conventional reality or agreement on what we will call all of these things, but that everything in the world around us doesn't inherently have such a label, that this is simply originating from the mind's tendency towards proliferation and conceptualization. Hearing all of this, I had the chance to see how all the various conditions and objects in the external world around us are empty, how they are all impermanent and lacking in true substance or a core. We agree to call things by certain names, but this is not what they are on a profound or deep level. Similarly, just as they lack this inherent existence, they also are not worth pursuing in the way that many of us try to pursue and accumulate things of the world. Eventually, we all die and we leave all the things that we have accumulated and gathered. The Krubhajans have taught us to, to contemplate in this way. And one listening to such teachings might simply pass over them and not see clearly or deeply into what's actually being said. However, if a practitioner has a decent degree of paramita, spiritual perfections, and samadhi, or lucid calm, then such a teaching can catalyze the mind to enter a state where it sees how everything is empty, how it sees deeply, how even if one had all the gold in the world, all the wealth, that it would be worthless in a certain sense because eventually one will have to die and leave it all. Such insight is also accompanied by an understanding that a life spent in pursuit of such external objects is a waste, that eventually, even if we've spent our whole lives gathering wealth, we pass away and take new birth. And perhaps in this next birth, we don't even have the chance to encounter the Buddha's dispensation. And that life would truly be a waste. However, we may reflect that now we have the good fortune to have met Buddhism. We have a human body 
And if we've developed our practice, then we can develop a truly human heart as well. And see clearly that all the world is slave to craving and is insatiable, that pursuing worldly gain is a never-ending quest and futile. Similarly, we begin to see how quickly the world and external conditions pass from us, how it's all swept away. Already, this is the 23rd year of my time here at Wat Mapchan. I ordained in uh, many years ago, and yet it's gone so quickly. We see how all things pass like this, and it initiates a sense of dispassion for those external objects and conditions which are so changeable. Having seen this nature in the world to an extent, as a lay man, I became motivated to ordain and to search for some refuge or escape. And so went to Wapapong, meeting Longpur Cha, Ajin Cha there. And I got the chance to hear the real Dhamma, to experience a teaching profound and penetrating in the manner that Longpur Cha was renowned for giving. Apart from simply hearing this teaching, I followed it sincerely. Longpur Cha advised us to practice in a cremation ground, and I listened to him. I really tried to go and face my fear in a charnel ground, to follow what he said until I understood why fear was arising in me. One who understands the value of Akruba Ajahn's teaching will work their best to follow and embody such instruction. They will try and develop the qualities of dana, giving, sila, ethics, and bhavana, practice. They will attempt to quiet and calm the chitta or mind and contemplate the body as simply a heap of anicca, anatta, and dukkha, inconstancy, not self, and suffering. This is what Longpur Cha taught. Furthermore, he taught that looking at the world in this way and trying to see in a penetrating manner into the five khandas around us is best done with a quiet mind, that true penetration only comes from lucid calm. And so he advised us to develop samatha kamatana, or themes of calm that bring the mind to samadhi. He taught that these themes could be many. We might look at the four elements 
we might think of our death, Mornanusati. We might follow the breath. We might look at the body in terms of the 32 parts. And all of these objects, if approached correctly, can be used as samata kamatana, themes of calm, because they quiet the hindrances and bring the mind to a state of quiet. Once the mind is calm and we look at the body and the other aggregates as anicca, anatta, and dukkha, inconstant, not-self, suffering, this is vipassana or insight. We see that everything will pass, that all we've attached to and taken as a self and built up so much pain around is changeable and we become dispassionate towards it. When such knowledge arises spontaneously from a quiet mind, it is something we call bhavana mayapanya, knowledge arising from one's practice. I myself had an experience as a monk seeing an autopsy in Bangkok. The subject of the autopsy was a recently deceased police officer. And as they cut open his body, I saw clearly that he hadn't even had a chance to digest his morning meal. He'd passed and had no idea that he would pass. We also will pass in just this way, and I reflected as mu on as much. I saw that when the uniform was removed, that my perception of this body as a police officer suddenly disappeared as well. Suddenly, it was just a heap of elements, and a profound knowledge arose in me that dispelled any perception of this police officer as such. I saw that this label I was applying to him as a police officer was just conventional truth. That this body in front of me was in fact none of these things, not even a self, a person, a being, but rather simply elements. The knowledge and insight lasted and for the following day, I saw all those walking around in the city as simply puppets. I realized that all the labels and perceptions we, that gather around such bodies are more aspects of conventional reality and just that. That really all of these bodies around us are just anicca, anatta, and dukkha. That the body, once devoid of breath and passed away, is suddenly worthless. It's something no one wants or values. And that all of these perceptions and attachments we build up around the body, all of the self could we apply to our own bodies and all of the kilesa, greed, aversion, and delusion which gather around this perception 
are just things laid on top of the bare reality which truly exists. Seeing in this way the nearness of aging, death, and, and how this body will pass, it becomes apparent how important it is to use what time and opportunity we have to build goodness, to practice, to bring the mind to calm, and to use that calmed mind to gain insight into the khandas, to see them as impermanent and give rise to samadhi, to look at the fact of our death and use such perception to calm the mind, to look at the breath and use this perception to calm the mind. Whatever works, whatever samatha, kamatana, theme of tranquility and calm seems appropriate to the mind and that the heart and mind take to naturally, we should use that. Longpur Cha taught us to use whatever works to get the mind calm. Because once the mind has been calm, then the knowing spontaneously arising from such lucid samadhi is profound. We might see the most simple things such as fallen leaves, and yet the calm mind sees Dhamma in even the most simplest, the most simple images such as this. One might see fallen leaves and the mind with samadhi immediately understands that these fallen and dried leaves are the same as one's body, that one's body and form will also soon pass. And this is the essence of bhavana maya panya, wisdom arising from practice. It's a sort of knowledge that seems beyond thought, that is spontaneous, profound, and penetrating, and it arises from the calm mind. Such calm lets us see clearly into all five of the aggregates. Form, feeling, perception, consciousness, mental formations. As all anicca, anatta, and dukkha, inconstant, not self, suffering. This is the essence of vipassana, insight, and panya, wisdom. Having seen through the khandas, we begin to clarify this quality of knowing itself. And yet, we need to be warned to not take this self as, or this knowing as a self either. We contemplate the citta in terms of the satipatthana as well, the mind in terms of the satipatthana as well, and see it also as just that much, just the mind, but do not look at it in terms of self or mine or me. This is the way that we practice to see through conventional reality as our teachers have instructed us. We bring the mind to quiet. We practice the basics of this life with diligence, 
eating little so that the body and mind remain light. And whether we are laity or monastics, we practice in this way. This is, of course, especially essential if we are monks. We've ordained for the sake of practice, and so we must give ourselves completely to it. If we don't yet have lucid calm or samadhi, we can still at least cultivate indriya sangwara, restraint of the senses. We can restrain our speech. We can look repeatedly at the body as just a bag of organs and oil and not attractive. We can work to awake every morning to effort in practice. And then one of these days, the mind will grow calm and we will see Dhamma, the truth. So right now, I hope that all present have the opportunity and the motivation to practice well together, to use well this fortunate rebirth as a human and to put forth effort. Sometimes as we sit, we might grow drowsy, in which case we can get up and walk meditation for a time or we can sit on top of a wall or in a tall place, curing drowsiness or other hindrances in whatever way we can, using whatever means of effort we're able to. I was sincere in my own practice in this way. And when Longpur Cha advised me to go practice in a crematorium, a cremation ground, I did. And he supported me in this as I was sitting and afraid. I heard him pass and he'd intentionally come late at night and let me know that he was there, just checking in briefly, but giving me great care and motivation just in that small act to continue practicing and facing my fear. We see that our teachers truly care for us, that they are advising us as best they are able out of compassion. And seeing this, we apply ourselves with dedication to the practice, to calming the mind and to the vision of truth. And so I wish all of you the best of luck going forward.